We've gone behind the scenes of TV. Now it's time to go behind the hears of radio. Raw Fusion. Welcome to the King B's Raw Fusion Podcast. It's been a long time. I should have left you. Without a strong show to flip to Now think of how many weeks shows you slept through uh, Time's up, I'm about to bless you with another season Another reason To cut on the Raw TV and start the cheesing To get up on the phone and go call your friends And let them know the King B's Raw Fusion begins to sit on back and enjoy yourself I'll be your company, baby If you need a little help I took off for a while to revise the plan Got my focus on So I can check out the scam And open up my team Eliminate the fake And when got me a beat from Bobby Drake And now I'm back And it's better than you ever saw But enough talk Let's get raw A typical night at the clubs Let's get raw You don't want to fall in love Let's get raw You got the fusion in your blood Let's get raw Until my ladies in my thoughts Let's get raw And to the haters on the scene Let's get raw Don't be mad cause we got green Let's get raw You should be trying to make the team Let's get raw Cause we taking everything Let's get raw Raw fusion Ladies and gentlemen We have a legend in the building right here A Chicago radio legend and her name is Lisa E. What's up, Lisa? Hey, and it's so great to be a legend. I'm only 28. Thank you. <laughs> you that was a little too much laughter there. Okay. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I'm going to tell you why I laughed. I remember you being a little younger. I would listen to WGCI. You were the producer, right? Well, at least that's what they said mm-hmm. you were. But you were always on the damn radio <laughs> talking. Right. And I'm like, wow. And and this was when I was in I wasn't in the business and you were killing it. You know what I mean? So when we met, I was well familiar with your work and been listening to you for years and and you were such a humble and gracious person, a very good person. And uh by that time I was in the business, but you were just great, you know what I mean? And just a really good good person. And, and that's what I really like when you meet people who you've been listening to or watching or whatever. And they actually turn out to be good people. Because as you know, everyone in this business is not who they appear to be. And you really are what you appear to be, which is a really cool, fun, loving person. And, and um, I was pleasantly surprised by that. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. That was great. I might have to tape that one and... and- put that back on something. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think, I think it's just all about having fun. It's like, if you love what you do and then you make each day more fun and you just, you know, or being in, in on the radio when, you know, I always say treat each day like it's your last, that means you want to make it better and better every day and just have fun, you know, cause that's really what it's about. Of course you want to get the work done, but it's still nice to just, it's, it's nice to have fun. And when you can laugh and have a good time, it makes it that much better. And, and yeah, I, I know. you know, I love the industry. So that's a grind though, isn't it? Oh yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it definitely has its, um, you know, it's, it, well, it's funny because people think that's easy until they start doing it now. And like when everybody, everybody thinks that they want their own podcast or live stream or be on the radio and people don't realize they think you just put yourself on a mic and it's, that's not all it is. You know, it's like yeah. where somebody has to get the content. 
Somebody has to get the ideas in their heads. Somebody has to get things. Of course, things fall in place. And um, of course, if you're playing music or, you know, depending on what type of a station, things fall in place. But you still have to you still have to prepare. You still have to at least have in the back of your mind some type of an outline as to what you want to do. You know, then you can be spontaneous and improvise, do all things. But when you have contest things, you know, you, there are things that you have to pre-plan. It just doesn't, you just go and go on the radio and it just pops up from outer space. You know what I mean? Right. So, but people think that, and then when they start doing it themselves or have to book guests, they're like, wow, I didn't realize how much work it takes. And it's not, it's not the hardest, but it's very time consuming. And if you want to be credible, you definitely have to make sure that Everything is is a you you have to have credible sources. If you're doing news stories, you have to have. If you're doing trivia, you definitely don't want to you don't want to think you're giving the right answer for something, and it may only be the right answer, but it may not. You have to check your sources. If you're going to do any type of games, anything, you have to make sure your answers are correct. You know, you're not going to watch Jeopardy and then you find out the person that just won thirty thousand dollars that Jeopardy made a mistake with the answer. You know what I mean? Right, so right. you have to be credible with everything you do and, and precise. And, you know, I've always been a perfectionist. That's why, um, you know, that's that shows, you know, that's why all the shows I produce have been top rated shows. So top rated shows. Definitely. And, 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 and here's the killer part. Like now it, it would be easier because you can just easily go and Google something. But but. but you were doing this before Google. Yeah, we so. didn't have Google. Thank God for Google, because now I can find things a lot faster, but I still check my sources. Just because something is on internet doesn't necessarily make it real. And I've had to explain that to some of my... Uh, actually, recently, one of the shows I produced, um, I had to explain, they were like, well, the story is all over internet. Okay, but that doesn't mean anything. And I had to explain, like, don't put it out there because it's... and. And it wasn't a true story. We went and it was on a fake website. And, you know, they said, well, according to Channel 3 News and all this, I said, where have you guys ever, in, in Illinois at least, I don't know about other states, where has there ever been a Channel 3 News? Exactly. Like, you show me the, the credibility of Channel 3 News here. Now, I'm not talking about a cable channel. I'm talking about, like, Channel 3. Is it NBC, ABC, CBS, PBS, <laughs> WTDW? Right. No, right. CLTV. No, it's not. There, There is none. So it was, yeah. like, it was fake, and then they had to take it all down. And I'm like, see, you can't do that. You're, you're a morning person. You can't put stuff out there because people are going to follow and trust what you say. So exactly. I've always been a stickler with that, you know. But And shout out to WTTW. PBS, that's my old stopping ground. So I'm glad you. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, and it's funny because they were just on my mind. I was watching the uh, the Sesame Street, the 50 Years of Sesame Street, called Sunny Days, mm. um, which was actually really good. I haven't finished watching it, but every everybody, people, I don't care who you are, everybody's watched Sesame Street at some point. And, you know, they were just showing about just how they do things diverse, you know, with diverse, like how to explain things to kids when there's tragedies, like even especially with George Floyd passing and, you know, and different things in Sesame Street, they do certain things and bring certain characters, you know, to explain it in a way that kids will understand. And, you know, so big ups to Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah. Sesame Street and all those other uh, shows over there. Um even though I'm not there anymore and left, uh, I still have an affinity for, for that station. 
They were good. Oh, yeah, definitely. I want to talk about you being over at GCI. First of all, you were the producer. Well, I was the executive producer, but I was also the sidekick. Um, some people call them co-host. I also did entertainment, um, whatever you want. I mean, I definitely was the executive producer. And a lot of mm-hmm. times producers just produce. They don't talk. But I was kind of like the sidekick, if you will, on most of the shows. They always liked what I, you know, and, and Doug Banks was actually the one that started it. Doug mm-hmm. used to bring me in to do funny segments with about like some of the NBA players and stuff. And he would just have me come in and talk once in a while. And he was just he thought it was funny. And then when I started producing for Doug, I, Doug would just be like, anytime you want to talk, just the mic is yours, you know? So it was, it, we had fun. And then everybody else I worked with after that from crazy Howard McGee, Rick party, Sam Silk, stone pony, Gene Sparrow, um, you know, everybody pretty much put me on as their, you know, to, to give that other voice or what have you. And then I also, when I worked with Crazy Howard too, I did entertainment as well, so. Yeah, you know, it's crazy to hear all of those names. Rest in peace, uh, Doug Banks. Yes, I'm still not in belief. <laughs> yeah. Doug was classic. Um, Doug was definitely, like when you work with Doug, you didn't even know what to expect next. Like every day I could not wait to come to work because it was fun. You just knew that to expect some type of laughter, the things he did off the top of Doug would start, we would have, you know, your guests and everything. Those were pre-done and, and like, you know, maybe some of the topics. And then he would just take in things would go to the left or to the right. And I mean, you just never knew what was coming out of Doug's mouth, which made it so much fun. Cause we would just laugh. It was like, Oh my God, we, we were having, I'm having too much fun at work. It was just, it was yeah. just such a blessing. And, you know, Doug was like a big brother and, you know, him, uh, Doug and Bonnie Deshaun were the first people really that gave me my start to, to like believe and trust in me to put me on the air. And, you know, Bonnie um, let me do an entertainment story. I was covering something because she knew I was a huge NBA fanatic and I I was stalking. I mean, I was going to look wrong word. I was going to check on Charles Barkley. This is before I knew Charles and they were in town playing um, the Bulls, you know, for the championship. And so um, I went and I did an interview with one of the other Phoenix Suns and, you know, got to be friends with everybody while I was trying to meet Charles, you know, but it was it was fun. And she she believed in me and um, let me do it. And it was just it was really cool, you know, to um, to, you know, to be with Banks and company, you know, that was right around the time when Charles was on there. It's last year. You know, we got to see it again uh, with the uh, with the last dance. When he said, take that shit off the windows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we came back and kicked his ass. Um <laughs> uh, but those were those were those were fun. Those were fun days. Oh yeah, definitely. I remember somebody I can't even remember his name, but he had a mixtape and he had someone from the radio on it. And I was just like, Wow, how did you get someone from GCI on it? Like, you know, and right back in the up, day, it was like superstars, like everybody. I mean, people yeah. would come out wait. We would sign so many autographs; it was crazy. And now, I know these people. You know what I mean? And and many of them have been in my movies, and I'm directing them and that kind of thing. And it's it, it's just it's really back then. Radio was radio. You know now exactly. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately. You know, like you said, there's so many people doing this now. Back then, there was radio. You had TV, you had radio. That's it. Wasn't no, you know, podcast and on or everybody on YouTube or anything like that. 
you know, to distract people, you had TV or you had radio. And radio made stars back then. A big time. Big time. Yeah. We had so many, you know, talented people that I worked with, you know, from, oh, my God. And even the people that passed away from Shannon Dell. I learned stuff from Shannon Dell, who always said, loving you yeah. like a sister. Um, you know, of course, while well, Herb Kent, Herb and I didn't work directly in the studio together, but Herb and I, you know, Herb was a great guy. Uh, Richard Pegee, that was one of my first teachers, was Richard. Love Richard. Um, J.J. Jackson, that was part of Banks and Company that did sports. You know, Ty Wansley, he was a news guy, and, you know, he had his own show. And just, um, I mean, oh, Disco Dave, of course, that did the rap down Disco with Frankie J and Ramonski. Yeah. That was, uh, Disco was like my big brother, just, just, you know, some really great people. Um, and I would say, like I said, with Doug, Doug was definitely, uh, that's still a hard pill, pill to swallow because that was, that was a tough one. That was a really tough one. So rest in peace, uh, Herb Kent. Herb was in my first movie and it was interesting. Got a good story. Mm, such so, a nice guy. Such a great guy and a dirty motherfucker too. Um, <laughs> no, if you know Herb, you know what I'm talking about. He would tell the dirtiest jokes. And I'm like, man, I think now I can't see. I can't honestly back that one up because I don't know if he would beat out Cliff Kelly because Cliff Kelly was oh, the first first oh. person I started working with when when I interned. I interned on AM side and it was all talk. And Cliff Kelly, who you know, then went to WVON and you know now he's um, off. I believe he's finally retired. You know, he was an alderman. You know. Cliff, oh my God, Cliff, my fr- all my friends love Cliff because Cliff used to come to all my birthday parties and Cliff Kelly, oh my God, the mic went off. This man, I don't know where he got his jokes and humor, but <laughs> like the dirt, I was like, oh my God, like yeah. if you want to hear jokes, Cliff, I don't know, and but I, I can't fairly say, somebody would have to let me know about with her because I don't know who, if he could beat out Cliff, but Cliff, oh my gosh. They're probably Hilarious. neck and neck because- Probably, uh, probably. We'll, give was, we'll make it a tie. Then we'll make it a tie because Herb was hilarious and he he just come up with those old school dirty jokes and 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 he was he was he was very funny. I don't I don't know if you really got that over the radio, but working with him, you know, here's the thing. So I had my TV show over at Channel Eleven. The segment I would go to different things and have different guests on the on the, on the show. It was a variety, basically like a variety show. So we had an ongoing soap opera. Then in between it, we would put, you know, uh, where to go, you know, different places, different restaurants, clubs, whatever. And then we also had, you know, different interviews. And so I came to uh, V103, where he was then, and interviewed him, right? And so he he was on the show. He saw the show. And then I ended up running into him at Sam's Club because this actually came through a PR person. So, you know, and I'm, I'm not the groupie type. I wasn't, you know, woo-woo. So I didn't have his contact uh, then after doing the interview. And then I had just so happened to go to Sam's Club and Herb was there. And he saw me and, you know, we got to talk and he said, you know what? I love how you just put me in the middle of this whole uh, soap opera thing because I kind of used it as commercials kind of, you know, where the commercial would necessarily go in the soap opera. Then I'd put something else because on PBS we didn't have commercials. So to break it up, I would put other things in there. And the interview was there. And so he said, I love how you did that. He was like, you know, if you ever need somebody to act, you know, give me a call. So then I did that, actually. And he showed up and he was ready to go. And, you know, so whatever you need, you know. And uh, he was in my first movie that I directed. <laughs> 
He's a, he, he was a hell of a character. And uh, uh, so rest in peace, Herb Kent. Hey, I'm Herb Kent, jamming like a big dog. One more thing before we get the big contest going. I want you to know that uh, I'm so cool, I'm frozen my clothes. And besides which, I've got just a couple of cuts left before the big stepper contest. It's your last chance to get your step on and warm up. Previously on Raw Fusion, you are a former Pittsburgh Steeler. Correct. I had Kim Gill work out with me one time. Uh-huh. And he tells me the next day, he said, man, right when you pull it off, I threw off all over the side of my car. Don't miss a minute of King B's Raw Fusion. Make sure you subscribe for free to King B's Raw Fusion podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Raw Fusion. You know what's interesting? Because I tried the radio thing, yeah? I, but it was internet radio. And someone was doing, they had an internet uh, radio station. And so, you know, people would always tell me, oh, you have a voice for radio, blah, 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 blah. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, I did that shit for a month and I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, wow. I'm talking about five days a week for a month. And I was like, I'm sick of this shit already. So how could you, how do you have such a, a, a long career doing this at, at the top level? I mean, GCI was number one for decades. Ever, yeah. And I lucked out. I, I, well, it was crazy because in college, when I first went away to college, I was a communications major, even though I knew I wanted to do, I wanted to do like acting or some form of entertainment and, and using some type of comedy as well. And I, when I came back, I went to University of Iowa and then I came back and I transferred to Columbia downtown, Chicago. And when I went to Columbia, that's where I got my connections. And I was, I was a theater major at first, but I, um, being in the, some, with some of the same people, I felt like I was living in this like live soap opera and it was a little bit, I don't know, it was like all this Shakespeare and just, I felt like I was dealing with a bunch of dramatic people. And I was like, you know what? It was kind of irritating me. I was like, let me try some radio instead and maybe TV. And I took my first two radio classes and I was done. I was like, this is what I want to do. That's and cool. I knew it. I, I, like I knew it. Uh, my two, my two um, teachers, my two first instructors, um, mm-hmm. you know, everybody at Columbia was in the business. So my two instructors for my, to learn the board and everything I had, Harold Rush, who at the time was Doug Banks' producer in the morning um, mm-hmm. when they were Banks and Company in the morning and he took us on a field trip and I was like, I'm hooked. And I was like, I could be at this place. And then um, Roz Varon, 
who was, Roz was teaching at WFYR. Well, I mean, Roz was on the air at WFYR radio, which is now KISS 103.5. And Roz was doing traffic. And when Roz had our class, Roz is like, hey guys, I need y'all to help me put this video together. Um, she goes, I'm doing this audition tape, but I need another fun kind of creative video. Um, they're going to start doing traffic on channel seven, you know, cause they didn't do traffic. I don't, I guess I don't believe they started traffic yet. She's like, they're going to start doing live traffic on TV. So she auditioned, we helped her, we put her, she did this like cool rap thing. And we put, we, she was like this little hip hop woman and we put like gold, a big gold chain around her neck. And we put, we dressed her up and she did this thing. And uh, as you can see, she got hired because she's still the, she's the top uh, traffic anchor at channel seven morning show. So um, on ABC. So yeah, so she went bigger, but yeah, she was Roz and Harold Rush, my two, uh, my two first instructors in radio. So they, you know, and it's cool because they call me their colleague now and I still look at them like, you know, my, my mentors. And so, um, and then I lucked out, I lucked out interning at GCI. I worked for free for a year and I only got credit for one semester, but I mm. stayed on the whole entire year to prove myself and I got hired. Um, every, all the other interns, they let go. Um, they, you know, they ran their course and then whatever. But for me, I, I, got hired right when I graduated college. So I, I was super lucky, <laughs> super, that's super lucky. Grind, though, right? Yeah. That's, but that's, yeah, the it grind, was like, yeah. and then, then when I left GCI and they had a brand new morning show at power 92, they wanted me to be the executive producer. And so I didn't even have to like do a resume, you know, I mean, I sent them something just so they could have it for the records, but it was funny. I never had to really do a resume until, till like the past couple of years. I've never had to do a resume. I was very blessed. Uh, mm -hmm. that I got to stay in, in the town that I loved and, you know, didn't a lot of people have to leave and come back. And I was just very blessed that I got to stay here and I've made, you know, the friendships, which I consider family It's you know, this, this industry is like a cult, you know, it's like yeah. once you're in it, you can't really leave. It's not, not a bad cult. They're not going to like do anything to your family or whatever, but you know, they, Illuminati. but it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not like that, but you know, I know, I know, I know. I, you know, I just say that because people assume that you know there's uh, uh, one of those eyes wide shut <laughs> scenarios going on in the industry, and I'm like, nah, I've never, I've never seen it. You know, um, no, I've never, I'm, uh, uh, and I, I've made some great friendships. I mean, it's sad because with all the friendships and all the people, you know, you have to unfortunately see people pass on, which is never a nice thing, and that's the one thing I do that I, I. That's the one thing about because I know so many people. I mean, and there you we have very different variations of what we consider friends. Like I, I use the word friend loosely, um, where people use that word as maybe associates, but I don't. I don't really use the word associates. I'll call people my friends. I'll say, okay, well, they're like they're my business friends, my social friends, my social media friends, my this, this, this. Now, close friends, that's a different category for me. But right. you know, knowing people in the industry too and knowing that you know so many people and just unfortunately the past couple of weeks with dmx and then black rob passing those those two hit me like bricks um i had i have a lot of history with dmx um black rob i've been friends with him since he had his first single out 
And so it's both of them were extremely hard for me to grasp. So that's the one bad thing. You know, so many people and, and then you got to go through and, you know, but, you know, you still their memory and their their beautiful music will still live in our hearts forever. So, yeah. Rest in peace, uh, DMX, Black Rob and Shock G. Oh, yes. Shock G. So. Definitely. And I never got to meet Shock G. Um, I don't think we've ever met. I don't think I even got to interview him, but yeah, I was definitely a fan of his as well. Yeah, the hip hop industry took a, um, a big hit. Um, yeah, big time. The hip hop family, let's just call it what it is, took a big hit over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, but we do have the music that lives on. So, we have the music and we have great memories. I have um, great stories. I've got some great DMX stories and Black Rob. I've got funny things and, you know, I've got some really good stories about both of them. So, yeah, yeah. we're going to take a little break, but we'll be back with more Lisa E right here on Raw Fusion. If you want to check out some of our films, you can do so at patreon.com slash King B. And as always, King B's Raw Fusion podcast is sponsored by theindycity.com. If you like independent artists or independent products, or you're just independent like me, check out theindycity.com. T-H-E-I-N-D-Y-C-I-T-Y. TheIndieCity.com If you like independent clothing brands, independent art, or just things that are independent, then check out TheIndieCity.com There's clothing, art, and more all right there at TheIndieCity.com T-H-E-I-N-D-Y-C-I-T-Y.com TheIndieCity.com Is a proud sponsor of the King B Raw Fusion podcast. Raw Fusion. If you've been listening to radio like me, and uh, I'm I'm glad now I have both perspectives. One, not being in an industry, and one being in the industry. I remember when radio wasn't segregated. You could listen to In the Air, Phil Collins, and mm-hmm. um, turn around and hear Michael Jackson, Prince, all on the same radio station. Somewhere, well, I don't know. You can probably tell me more of when, but somewhere between, somewhere in the eighties or nineties or something like that, it started to separate, and then right. they had what what was now was then called black radio. Anybody that knows me knows I don't believe in black and white. Yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah, I'm the same way. So, how was it for you, being what the general public would consider white? working in what they considered black radio. Right. And it's, that's been something I've had to deal with forever because the, I always tell people, you know, when, you know, music has no color. So I always say that, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have a love for music back when we were younger, we all listened to, even before people had FM radio, we listened to AM. So everybody listened to WLS. And I don't know if people remember if I might be outdating myself, but you know, um, or dating my whatever, but, we used to have a WLS fantastic plastic card. Never used it for anything, but you thought you were so cool if you had this card. Then you would hear, you know, um, you know, the group Chicago, and then you would hear like Earth, Wind, and Fire. So it was like everybody knew all the songs. You know, Pat, people right. knew the songs. They knew everybody knew sticks. Everybody knew songs from like 
Ario Speedwagon and the Rolling Stones. They would know old disco. They would know Michael Jackson. They would know, you know, so I don't know. I And see, I have such a love for music. For me, you know, I'll go from listening to my raunchiest NWA to putting on air supply. So it's like, yeah. I just love music. You know what I mean? I just, I'm, I'm a huge music buff. And um, it's been tough sometimes because people will like, you know, I've always had, well, why do you work at a black radio station? And I mean, and this is white and black people that ask me, I've had people, and I always tell them, well, music has no color. I'm like, well, I don't look at it like that. And I happen to love this type of music. Somebody condemned me actually a few months ago because what's called in the industry, when they refer to it as different markets, and not different markets, but different types of music, they call it urban music. And yeah. urban music is technically like R&B or hip hop. Sometimes they call it hip hop, but when they say I work at an urban radio station, it's not, you know, there, there were some people that took offense when um, I had said it on a radio platform and some people were talking about me like saying that. I'm like, no, that's that had nothing to do with me personally saying it. That's what it's always referred to. You have your your pop, you have your adult um, contemporary, then they just call it urban. That's the name it's been given. Um, you know, that's what we just call it. You know, it's been given that whatever, not that whatever is right or wrong, but it's, it's been tough because I hate when people judge you because of certain music you listen to. And, and it's never my coworkers. It's just other folks. Um, although it was people in other departments would ask me, Lisa, why are you working here at a, a black radio station? Uh, I was like, uh, I don't know. They hired me. I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know me, I, I'm like, I'm a smart ass. So I come up with weird answers and stuff because I've never looked at it like that. You know, I've never looked at it. I've, I, I don't know. I was fortunate enough to grow up, um, with all of my friends are like everything. <laughs> so yeah. like since I was little, so I've never, I, of course, when you look at somebody, it's like, okay, well, your eyes are a little slanted. My eyes aren't, you know, my mm -hmm. hair is frizzy. This hair person's hair is straight. Your hair is that, you know, so of course you see differences, but I've never, used any of the differences like okay well let's say i have five black friends i've got four uh white friends i've got three biracial i've got two asian like i've never looked at it yeah. like that if you're my friend you're my friend and you hit so all the boxes a, right <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean but i but like i said and i've i've been fortunate enough like that all i at an early age i've grown up learning about people's traditions so my mm. friends learned about our jewish traditions and about my bat mitzvah I saw um, growing up my a friend of ours that was from India. So we saw some of their traditions. A friend, like close friends, and my brother's best friends are from the Philippines. So we saw how they do their traditions, um, mm -hmm. like just a black Baptist church. I saw growing up what they would do in their family, like if there was a death or whatever. So you, we learned each other's traditions and customs growing up. So it was, you know, when you're kids and you get an appreciation, it's a whole nother way to learn and. And just see the value in others and what they bring to the table. And I just wish, you know, people could just see the beauty. It's like, it, this would be such a boring world if we all looked and talked alike. It really would. It would be so boring. You know, I, I had a similar experience growing up in kindergarten. I was the only brown skinned person there. The only one. If we, if some one of these days I'm, I'm going to try to find a, 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 a picture of uh, of our, our class and, and put it on social media. Then I went to another school and there was literally just about everything there. You know, I don't say I'm colorblind. I'm not. And I don't want to be. I think that 
everyone be, should be happy of you know what they were made. Um, and there's differences, and that's a a good thing, you know. That's just like people being heavier, like people being tall or short or thin or 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 thicker. Like we don't, we're not blind. We see our friends, but are you going to say, okay, guys, I made my quota this month. I can't hang out with any more really skinny people. You know what I mean? Like it's like you're putting, you're grouping folks because of the same skin tone or the same tallness or short, you know, and people do relate in certain areas, you know, and it's always good. I think it's great to know where you come from. I mean, people, you know, I had a tough, I was the only in high school. It was only like, I think two of us, um, that were Jewish, you know, my, my, and besides my siblings, everybody else, we were like the only Jewish kids. So when we had to take our, our high holy days off, you know, they would kind of look like if the teacher would schedule a test, we had to specifically tell them not to, because that's our days. Like, and then one time we had to argue with the teacher and my dad's like, well, she'll come in and do it on Christmas. She can take the test on Christmas and then shut the teacher up because you're closed on Christmas, you know, but it was like, but then all my friends down the street at home of Flossmore High School, because there were so many Jewish kids there at the time, they took off for the holidays. So, um, and then we even went, I'll never forget in like fourth or fifth grade. I don't know. I think they were Mormon. I'm not, they were Mormon or Jehovah Witness. I'm not sure, but we, I went to a slumber party and all my friends were there. So of course I didn't want to, and my mom, my mom taught kindergarten at our our grade school. So I grew up like eight houses away from our school. And my mom was the kindergarten teacher there for like 30 years. So is, you know, so all the families and stuff knew my mother, whatever, but we um, were at the slumber party. And I guess the girl's family was taught that Jewish people were the devil. So mm. one of her siblings who was a little younger, it had to be like five or six, maybe literally asked me where my, um, where my horns were. They said, where are your horns at? <laughs> and they weren't trying to be mean, but they heard that we are the devil. We had like horns. And so of course I was the smartest back then. I said, oh, I left them on my nightstand or something. And um, I didn't bring them with. And my friends were like, are you going to call your mom and tell her? But I was like, I didn't want to leave the slumber party, you know, because you want to be with all your friends. So mm -hmm. the next morning, the mother literally was making everybody bow down before we were going to eat breakfast. And I said, well, we don't do that. And she was like, well, then you're not going to eat whatever you had. Like she wanted me to bow down and say whatever. And so I had to call my mom to come pick me up. So it was crazy. Yeah. But, you know, we and, I, and it's sad when people have to go through anything like that. It's like, you know, for the variations or, you know, the differences. I just, you know, I, do, are things ever going to change? I don't know. I mean, maybe we can hope one day. But you know, it, is, it is bad. The kids have to go through that. But at the same time, I don't know, because be honest with you when I was in kindergarten I experienced it but the killer part was by the end of the the uh, school year you know they were all my friends basically well quote unquote friends whatever they, they appeared to be <clears throat> I had all the little girls the cutest girls in classes uh, you know kissing me and you know, he had to throw that in ladies and gentlemen yeah, well, I mean it's it. just Go the ahead. truth I got okay. it's the truth I just you know I had, got to roll with that <laughs> okay um, okay but it, I mean but it's true and okay it, I learned at five years old about racism and I learned that people can can I, I, I want to say change or at least uh, have a different opinion um, once they get to know you. So I've never shied away from I know I know people that share my skin color that really, you know, 
they haven't left the block. So they 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 haven't experienced other people. So they come with preconceived notions and they don't interact and and and, and they separate themselves. You know, Chicago is a very segregated city and it's sec- it's self-segregated. So me, I've never shied away from people who looked a little different from me because I I went through that at five. You know, I I overcame that at five. So for the rest of my life, you know, I've never really shied away from or really treated people differently uh, because I, you know, okay, you're you're a person just like me. You know, I don't exactly. feel any, I don't feel any less, and I don't feel any. I just, you know, you're just a person, and so you know, I try to get because the truth of the matter is, I have some people. Blonde hair, blue eyed, that go to water for me quicker than some other people, and I identify sometimes with uh, them and their perspective. And to me, that that clumps me together with them, not skin color. You share experiences, and you have uh, a certain point of view. And now we're cool, you know. And it's amazing how, as long as we've been here, that we haven't figured that out. You know, I, I when I, I directed. Uh, quite a few movies and it was funny to me like it's literally funny to me when people say where, where, where you get the white people from <laughs> like hey, how did you get the white people you know I don't they're actors you know um, you know they're actors I work with actors and I don't give a damn you know uh, I don't even when I write scripts I don't put you know I've been in this business for a long time. I've seen other people's scripts and they'll put um, Caucasian, uh, uh, 35, uh, blah, 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 in front of, I don't do that. Because I don't know who I'm gonna cast in that role, you know, or 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 black, uh, you know, 25. I don't, I don't do that, you know what I mean? I just put the characters. And then I find people that I think fit those characters. So I think growing up at five years old, going through the racism, in my mind overcoming it, and then going to the next phase where you add even more people who look different than the two that were at the at the, uh, at the kindergarten, and then becoming friends with them and finding similarities and perspectives. You know, at this point, you know, I'm over all of that. You know, the only problem I have is when I see you targeting people because of, you know, the color of their skin or religion or something like that, then, you know, I will say what I have to say, but that doesn't mean that my people with the lighter hue, that I'm going against them. I'm going against people who are racist, you know, but I still love those who love me, who are, you know, different skin color or eye slant or whatever. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, 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 it's sad that you go through that at a young age, that you have to sometimes, but sometimes that can prepare you if you do it the right way. Right. If you love Raw Fusion and you want more, go to theindycity.com, click the King B's Raw Fusion link, and subscribe for the exclusive content for just $5 a month. You can get your VIP pass for exclusive content, the secrets and such, right there at theindycity.com. Raw Fusion. When doing radio, what's the toughest thing that you have to deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis? Mm, you said tough. Hmm. I mean, you know, thing. I, I wouldn't say everything is super tough. It's more time consuming. Um, 
sometimes, you know, just some of the people you might have to deal with, or you just, you know, some people like, um, things might be like somewhat of a challenge, you know, to, you know, putting like, if it's a certain guest or trying to, you know, talk to certain people and some people, you know, want to act a certain way and, you know, whatever. I don't, I, like I'm a person, well, I'm a person, I treat everybody the same. So I don't care if you're, you know, the, the number one top actor in the country or mm-hmm. you're, you know, the person that just came up and, and did a street sweep. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to treat everybody mm-hmm. the same. And I just don't, I don't like sometimes when people feel that they're, you know, above anybody else. And sometimes I, I will say like some of the people nowadays in radio, a, a lot of people feel that they, a lot of the newer people, like even people that were just interns or just started doing working in the business. It's like, they want, they feel that they, everybody owes them something instead of doing the work, mm. I guess, instead of knowing that you have to crawl before you can walk and put in that work. If you, if you have that passion and the drive in this industry, you're going to get it. And, mm. you know, just seeing, um, you know, just like I always tell people, you, there's enough fame and fortune for all of us. You got to get in where you fit in. And I just, Mm -hmm. I don't like, um, I would say one of the other things, you know, I don't like people having to be competitive, like women, especially, um, because it's such, it's still a man run industry, more or less, even though women Mm -hmm. have come a long way, but you know, I don't want the women feeling like they have to go against each other when they should just embrace each other. You know, every time there's been new women that have come in Chicago, whether they were the, the, the other stations, you know, I would reach out because I also do my entertainment, I have my entertainment company and I do a lot of big events and stuff. And, um, I would reach out and say, Hey guys, you know, this is Lisa E blah, blah, blah from here. And, you know, um, I do a lot of these, you know, whether it's a grand opening or tastings or whatever, I want to put you on my media list and invite you. And they were like, Whoa, like nobody ever did that, you know, before, you know what I'm like? That's how it should be. We embrace each other. If you're talented and you're supposed to be here, that's what you're supposed to do. I can't hate on you because you have a talent, you know? So, and I would say the other thing that I don't want to say is tough, but sometimes, you know, nowadays, and this is just in general too, in broadcasting and in life, everybody, you know, the new, the new way to communicate is through text and emails. And a lot of times if I feel if you have more than three things that you have to discuss, pick up the damn phone and call me. We can get that same conversation in five minutes and yeah. hearing somebody's voice might change your mind. It might get a sponsor or somebody or hearing a friendly voice and cracking jokes or like, that's the way I do it. But if you might hear a friendly voice, they might have a whole different approach. Sometimes people are in a hurry when they text and the messages don't come across properly or you, you mess up words. And sometimes it just, you know, so, and if you're in this you can't industry, tell with those damn things. You know, well, you can't tell. You, 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 yeah, you, you can't. Sometimes you could be joking, and people think you're serious, and then you don't. People take know, things the it, wrong it, way too. Yeah. yeah, and the tone and stuff. And so, like, I had somebody that asked me like five or six different questions. Like, could you just pick up the phone and call? And they're like, Well, why right. can't you just text? Well, why can't you just, especially if you're trying to do radio. You, that means you get paid to talk, pick up the phone and call. But that's, I think my advice for anybody, because if you're trying to get something done, you go the, when, when you go the extra mile, people see that and see, that's, that's one thing I will say about myself. I've done things. I've gone beyond what I'm supposed to do for things. And that's why people remember me. 
and that's why people continue to work with me because I've, I've, you know, I've done events like we had um, Shamar Moore uh, was in town doing a play and they were going to do a party for him, like a private party back at, um, I want to say it was, I think it was the click at the time. And um, it was either Heroes or The Click, but I think it was The Click. And it was like they were doing a private party. And I was like, okay, we are going to have Shamar on the air with us. And I called the show because I was talking to his publicist. I, I saw that it was his birthday the night we were going to do the party for, like, the casting party. So I asked the publicist, I said, what is his favorite dessert? And I still remember it was, like, strawberry shortcake. So I went ahead. I made some calls. And, you know, I got some pull being, being Lisa E., if you will. But... You know, and of course, when I say Shamar Moore and you can meet Shamar and, you know, show him who did the cake, you know, I had a great cake made, a, a really nice, beautiful cake made. Shamar, like, saw the cake at the party. He was, like, in shock and it was his favorite dessert. He was like, wow. Like, he was like, I'll never forget this. Like, nobody's ever done that before. Like, to take the time out and go that extra mile, you know, that's what I call it. We yeah. had Will Smith on. Will, Will Smith was coming and I had researched and I saw that every time Will would go to an award show, him and his guys would go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and get French fries. So I called the McDonald's around the corner and had them send over a bunch of French fries. And I had them brought, I brought them over when Will came to the station. He was like, he was like, he just got a big kick and started laughing. He was like, dang, you researched me. He's like, okay. You know, and you just never realize like when you do the extra stuff for any, anything, and this goes with any type of um, industry, you know, people people will definitely appreciate it and that's important i think that people need to get it these days things come almost too easy um i believe you know uh, i was just talking to a friend of mine before we went on air and it's like you want it all but you're too high-minded of your own self to do some of the things that that it takes to get there exactly exactly how in the hell and i was saying this you you don't know who you're talking to. How do you get in a business and you don't know who in the hell you're talking to? You know what I mean? It, it's, it's like you're you're working at a company. You don't even know who the CEO is. And then the CEO walks in. You treat him like, you know, whatever. Who the hell are you? And this, this is the person signing your check. You don't even know who that person is. How do you get into a business and you don't even take the time to learn who the players are? Right. Some people don't care. I mean, I had, we had a, yeah, we had, I had a young lady that came, she graduated college. I love her to death. I speak with her. I consider her a little sister, um, but she's a millennial and she literally, she would let us know. Now I had started, I was pr- producing mornings. I'm not going to even say the, the, the platform and stuff because that's a whole nother issue, but I was doing a pretty big show for uh, just up until August. It was a, a really big morning show and you know, my assistant, she was great. You know, she kind of like assisted us. She was kind of like they considered an intern, but she was still more of a studio assistant and helping with, you know, some of the production and technical support and stuff. And she would just like tell us, um, you guys tomorrow, she would come in late all the time, like nothing. Well, you know, yeah, last night my friends and I went out and I got a little too drunk. Well, first of all, you don't tell the people you're working with that, you know, not unless you're right. part of a team and you've been now, if you've been in radio and you're Doug Banks, you're Tom Joyner, you're, you know, uh, Crazy Howard, whoever. Yeah, you, you've got your it under your belt already. You could talk about it. But if you're new and you're coming in and you're, the reason you're late is because you had other things going on. But then you tell the next day, um, guys, I'm going to have to leave an hour early because um, I made my hair appointment. 
and you know i'm getting my braids and stuff and i mean she would do stuff like that and i I had to pull her aside once i said look i'm not upset that you're doing that i said but if you're at any other station they probably would have like already put you on probation and stuff like i said if you have to do something like that at least say you're doing like a doctor's appointment something because if you tell everybody you're going that you're you're taking off our our four-hour show and you're leaving to go to your hair appointment, that doesn't look good. You know, you're working four right. hours, but you can only stay two and a half or three. It's like- I don't give a shit so, who you are. But but uh, they just don't care, right? And they're bold yeah. about it. They don't, it's not like they hide it and think of anything that people are very bold with, you know, okay. so. All right, well, I'm gonna show you how bold I am. Get your ass off here, we got somebody else. And and I've had to deal with a lot of things being a director and people don't understand, but they found out really quickly. I'm not going to put up with that shit because most of the time, the people that look, it's about respect, okay? And not if you don't have any respect for what you do, you should have respect for the people that you're working with. And if you don't, okay, that's fine. You need to be somewhere else. And I, I have a, I, I nah, you're, you're not, you're not you, with me. I tell people a lot. I've fallen out with more celebrities than you even met. You know what I mean? Because I don't give a shit. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you sold a billion records. I don't care if you sold one. Uh, to me, you're still a person. And if you don't have respect for what you're doing and the people that you're working with, okay, that's fine. You can do that. You will do it somewhere else, but you can do that and see how long your career lasts. If you want to have longevity in this business, if you want to be able to pick up the phone and call people like Lisa E and they show up, you know, you have to respect what you do. You have to respect yourself and you have to respect others. So before we get out of here, Lisa, um, tell us what you have going on. Well, so on top of doing radio, on top of doing, I still do PR, marketing, media relations, um, publicity. It just depends on what's going on for an event. And of course, I still do my voiceovers and I MC. So I'm, I'm doing all of that. But I started managing, even though I said I never would do that. Uh, people have been asking me to be their manager for like 800 years. And it literally fell into it um, a few years when my dad had gotten sick and then my dad passed. And I, I had like a little extra free time and it just kind of fell into it. I was doing some other work um, under this management company, asked me to come out and help them with some stuff. And, um, I just, it it was kind of crazy. We went on a road trip and, um, I could just see the way that they were treating the artists. And I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And so Sean White, that's the artist. He's an R and B singer. When I just saw, I was like, man, this guy is next level. We literally just fell into working together. And so we've been working together for almost three years now. And he is amazing. He's a wonderful singer. He, He's a singer songwriter. He does all of his own writing, arranging. There's only one song of his that he didn't do, but Montel Jordan wrote it. So we'll take that. You know, this is how we do it. So yeah, Montel wrote a song and um, the producer that did it said, you know, Sean, I think you'd be great doing this. So Sean cut it the first time and I didn't call Montel because I wanted him to like it, you know, legitimately, not because he was my friend. I didn't want any favors. And he liked it the first go round and they went with it. And um, 
And then Sean, we drove out to Alabama and Sean performed it while Montel was doing a party at um, one of the, the football classics. So it was pretty cool. So he's, um, he's been doing some big things. We're doing a, um, a show for a pre-Mother's Day, a pre, um, yeah, pre-Mother's Day, I'll say Valentine's Day, pre-Mother's Day event that I'm hosting and Sean's performing with Ben One and Slick J Adams and Fabian Soul. That's going to be in Peoria on May 8th. And um, we've got, he's doing an open house. We've got some other things, but he, um, he just opened up recently for Mario. And right before the pandemic, Sean was the opening for Joe Avant and Drew Hill at the Horseshoe Casino. So he's doing some big things. He's getting some radio play and, you know, so he's doing really good. And if, you know, mm -hmm. if anyone wants to follow his music, um, if they follow him, it's just Sean White, S-E-A-N-W-Y-T-E. All of his music is available on digital all digital outlets. And if you just like good R&B, definitely go and, and view all his music. Okay, check that out. And if uh, people want to get in touch with you, how do they do so? If people want to reach me, um, and on Instagram, because, you know, it's like my Facebook, Facebook's always full, but but I'm really into Instagram now, so I'm trying to get my numbers up too. But if you go to Instagram, it's just under Lisa E Radio. And I'm pretty reachable. Um, I check stuff, you know, as long as people are coming to you from a, a good perspective, not front, you know, I've had a little, you know, you get some weird, uh, weird uh, <laughs> proposals and stuff like that, but you know, um, anyway, but yeah, that's a whole nother show, but um, yeah, but people can just find me It's super easy, Lisa E radio and, you know, got a lot of stuff going on and, you know, too, I still work with different companies, different things that they have grand openings, listening parties, what have you. So I'm, you know, I'm all over the place. So I, I look forward to, things opening up a little more and, and us, you know, at least being able to see each other's faces a little more, you know, in these next few months. So Lisa, I'm so glad that you came on my show and thank uh, you. We, thank you. And you know, I'm not just blowing smoke when I say the legend part, like literally, God damn, you did the damn thing, but you're still doing it. And um, I'm gonna give you your flowers now and appreciate you because you're just terrific at what you do and you're a good person doing it. Thank you so much. Man. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on and reaching out to me. It was great. And I wish you continued success and looking forward to doing some other uh, things that we were talking about earlier. And, you know, I think yes. it's going to be, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. So, so we got to do some work. We'll oh yeah, out. definitely. Definitely. Well, thank yeah. you so much and, and continued success. Thank you, Lisa. And you too. It's time to talk some shit with King B King B's Raw Fusion Podcast, brought to you by TheIndieCity.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, several times you've heard me say that I don't give a fuck, which is true to a certain extent. I mean, if you're a VIP and you've earned that status, then sure, there are accommodations made. We look out for people, comps, taking care of people, making them feel comfortable. That's customary. And it's worth it. And it's a good practice because, again, they have earned it. But that doesn't mean when we get to work that you can disrespect people, that you can disrespect what we're doing. That will not be tolerated. And you won't have a long, lustrous career doing so. Oh, you may get away with it for a while, but sooner or later, that reputation that you've built will bite you in the ass. Earn the respect, give good karma, 
and it shall return to you. I'm King B, and this is Raw Fusion. Raw Fusion. Raw Fusion.